Dylan? Fresh. Ooh, I like that. That's a good one. Purity. Pure white snow. Clean white. I love that. What else? Anybody else? Purity. You know, when we read about purity in the Bible, which is not something we hear a whole lot about in our day, a lot of times when we hear the word of purity, we immediately digress to sexual purity. And while that's very important, uh, that's a topic for another message. Today we're talking about purity as a cornerstone of our faith. Because true purity goes way beyond the sexual arena. True purity really includes all three cornerstones that I've shared so far in this series. For instance, purity goes way beyond practicing our faith to include having a sincere desire to always do what's right. Purity goes way beyond just preventing outward sinful actions to include making sure that all your thoughts are wholesome. Purity goes way beyond just performing the statutes of God to include a genuine commitment to obey all of God's word and all of God's principles. Jesus referred to the importance of purity in the Beatitudes that began his Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, in verse 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. By using that word heart in that beatitude, Jesus was saying that the very center of our being, our will, our thoughts, our emotions, should be cleansed of sin and utterly devoted to God. Everything about you should be devoted to God. So that being the case, that we ought to be pure in heart so that we can see God, I want to share with you today some biblical tips. Some biblical tips that help to explain purity, but also help to explain how purity ought to affect a follower of Jesus Christ. First tip, if you're going to be pure in heart, you got to get out of the way. you got to get out of the way. Let me explain. Finish this sentence. If you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. Likewise, if you play with sin you are going to get attacked by the devil. Just as logically as you will be burned by fire, you will also be attacked by the enemy if you continue to live in sin. As a responsible child of God, you got to learn what your moral weaknesses are. 
You've got to learn how you can avoid situations where the temptation to sin might just be irresistible. In the New Living Translation, in James chapter 1, James reminds us, beginning in verse 14, of this. He reminds us that God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone to do wrong. But temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and try to drag us away from God. These desires of our own give birth to sinful actions, and when those sinful actions are allowed to grow, then the Bible says they give birth to death. Now you might say, Bill, I've sinned, but I've never experienced death. To which I would tell you, oh yes, you have. You may not have experienced the physical death, but sin has probably caused you to experience the death of a relationship. Sin has probably caused you to experience the death of trust. Sin has uh, probably caused you to experience the death of your current fellowship with God. Sin has probably caused you to experience the death of a good testimony. So it does cause death. So to be pure before God, to be pure in heart, we need to strive to get out of the way of sin. To get out of the way of sin. Second tip. To be pure in heart it means to guard your thoughts. It's been said that you can't stop a bird from flying over your head. But you can stop a bird from building a nest in your hair. Y'all heard that before? In the same way, you can't stop an impure or a wicked thought from coming and knocking on the door of your imagination. However, you can certainly keep that door closed and locked so it doesn't find a dwelling place there. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul gave Timothy some really, really good advice. Some good advice on how to guard our thoughts and live a pure life. I want to share with you in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, verse 21, Paul teaches us, if you'll keep yourself pure, then you will be a special instrument for God's holy purposes. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for your master to use you for good works. Therefore, flee from youthful lusts. He says, steer clear of anything that might stimulate an immature desire. Instead, pursue, chase after Righteous living. Chase after, pursue faithfulness, pursue love, pursue peace. And get this enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Hang out with other people who want to have a pure heart. 
So if we're going to live a pure life, according to Paul, a couple things need to happen. We need to avoid those influences that might kindle immature desires. We need to make sure that we're pursuing righteousness, chasing after faithfulness and love and peace, but also spending time with other believers who want to live a pure life too. That's exactly what you're doing today. Friend, you see, the good news is, is that although every one of us here is capable of sinning, the good news is, is we don't have to. You're capable of sinning, but you don't have to sin. Just follow Paul's advice. Follow his advice in verse 22, and by doing so, you'll be building a fortress around your life, including your thoughts. It's so important. So to be pure in heart, you must remove yourself from destructive influences, and then, friend, listen up, Take practical steps to fill your minds with things that are honorable. Fill your minds with things that are right, with things that are righteous, and things that are pure before God. To be pure in heart, you got to get out of the way of sin. you got to guard your thoughts. But you also need to learn to confess your sin before God. When you blow it, did you hear me? When, not if you blow it, but when you blow it, when you find yourself in the ditch of life, when you succumb to the fleshly desires, when you rebel against God, when you defy his commands, what in the world are you to do? Well, the Bible says, if you will confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins and get this, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's a great verse. 1 John 1, 9 should be a verse you ought to put in your pocket because we're all capable of sinning. But the greatest challenge, friend, to applying that verse to our lives is this fact. Confession is empty without repentance. Are you hearing me, church? Confession is empty. It's meaningless. It's worthless without repentance. We cannot expect our holy God to cleanse us from sin if we're unwilling to reject that sin from that point forward. We can't be a clean pig that returns to the mud hole. Y'all getting me? Amen? If we sin, when we sin, we must turn away from that sin and turn back to God. But what does repentance sound like? We all know what confession sounds like. It means I admit it. I did it, I'm guilty. But what does repentance sound like? Well, after his adulterous affair with Bathsheba, David had her husband murdered so that he could cover up the whole affair. And let me tell you, God dealt with him accordingly. 
God dealt with him accordingly. But what's most important here is I want you to hear David's response. In Psalm 51, this is what David said. This is what repentance sounds like when you've acknowledged sin in your life. Here it comes. Psalm 51 and verse 1. David said to God, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Redact my transgressions from your book. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. In verse 7 he continues to say, Purge me and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Create in, here's the good part, create in me, O oh God, a clean heart and renew in me a steadfast spirit. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. And then, here we go. And then I will teach transgressors, I'll teach other sinners your ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. Friend, that is what repentance sounds like. It's an acknowledgement of the sin and a turning away from the sin. So if you're going to be pure in heart, you've got to begin by trying to get out of the way of sin altogether. But then guarding your hearts and then confessing and turning away from sin in your life. Fourth tip. If you're going to be pure in heart, You've got to learn to live for God and Him only. In 1 John in chapter 3, I want you to listen to what the disciple whom Jesus loved wrote to you and I. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, John wrote, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called Children of God. Say, I am a child of God. Don't you ever forget it, friend. A child of God. We are children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it didn't know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And hear this. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he, Jesus, is revealed, we shall be like him. Y'all getting that? We shall be like him and we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him, here it comes, purifies himself just as he is pure. 
Purity is so important. So there John tells us three things. He tells us what we are because of our faith in Jesus. What does he say? He says we're children of God. Then he says, what shall we be then? In view of Christ's return, when, when Jesus returns for his church, what shall we be? The Bible says we'll be like him. And then John answers this question. Well, what should we be then in view of Christ's return? What should we be? We should be pure. Pure. You see, nothing pleases the Lord more than a child of God striving to completely surrender their lives to the Spirit's leading to live a pure life. You want to make God happy? You want to put a smile on the face of Jesus? You strive to submit to the Spirit's leading and live a pure life. You see, there are many who try to live up to a list of do's and don'ts. There are others who try to get God's favor by doing good things for people. Then there are still others who try to satisfy God by coming to church. They think that's all they got to do. But I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear this very clear. All of your efforts to live a pure life will be in vain if you do not surrender your life completely to Jesus. You can't do it without Him. It'll be in vain. That's why John said, everyone who has hope in him, in Jesus, purifies himself just as he is pure. And then I hope you caught this because according to the scriptures, when Jesus reveals himself to us, when Jesus comes back for the church, and I believe it's soon, when Jesus reveals himself, the moment you see him, the Bible says you're going to be like him. What does that mean? It means at that very moment, we too will be free. Free from the possibility of sin. Free from the possibility of sorrow. Free from the possibility of death. Free even from the possibility of sickness. But the only way to be free the only way you can be free from all those things is to be bound with Jesus. That's it. So those who are pure in heart, they get out of, way, out of the way of sin. They guard their thoughts. They confess and repent of their sin to God. And they live to please God and Him only. But I want to give you one more tip today. One more tip, and that is keep an eternal outlook. Boy, old Peter had to do some confessing and repenting, didn't he? After denying Jesus three times, the Lord ended up using him mightily for his service. But Peter wrote to us in 2 Peter in chapter 3, and here's what Peter said to you. He said, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away 
And with a great noise, the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will all be burned up. Therefore, since all these things that you see, friend, aren't going to last, since they're all going to be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? in holy conduct and godliness. Oh, Peter. Peter just told it the way it was, didn't he? You know, there's a great question that every one of us ought to ask ourselves every morning. Every morning you wake up, you should ask yourself this question. If Jesus came back today, and he might, Would I be embarrassed about the kind of life I'm living? If Jesus came back today and I knew some things had to change, but I didn't change them, how would I feel before my Lord and Savior? You might say, well, Brother Bill, it's early, but I hadn't killed nobody yet. You might say, Bill, well, I haven't missed church in weeks. You might say, you know, I'm getting caught up on my offerings. Amen. But Jesus stresses the importance of keeping a pure, here it comes, heart. A pure heart when he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, the literal definition of the word pure means without hypocrisy. It's real, it's not fake. It's the same on Monday as it is here on Sunday. It's without hypocrisy, pure. That word pure also means uncontaminated. It's not filthy. It doesn't talk filthy. It doesn't do filthy. It doesn't act filthy. It's uncontaminated. But pure also means wholesome through and through. It means your attitudes are wholesome. It means your words are wholesome. It means your thoughts are wholesome. It certainly means that your actions are wholesome. Friend, are you pure today? Are you living a pure life today? Are you pure in heart today? In other words, Jesus is saying in this beatitude, if you want to see God, then you need to have a genuine, consistent heart felt devotion to me to be pure in heart. Friends, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. In fact, did you know that the Old Testament and the New Testament are filled with promises of Jesus coming a second time? Not only the first time as a baby, but coming a second time. In the Old Testament alone, there are 1,845 references to the second coming of Jesus. 
318 times in 23 of 27 New Testament books the second coming of Jesus is mentioned. Why is the Bible so repetitive about the second coming of Christ? Could it be that this any moment return of Jesus for his church should inspire us to live a pure life before God and before sinners? Remember 1 John 3, 3? Everyone who has this eager expectation of the coming of Christ again will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Friends, as we recognize the purity of God, as we recognize the holiness of God, as we recognize that Jesus is coming back soon, let us pray with the psalmist in Psalm 86, 11, where he said, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I would live according to your truth. Here it comes. Grant me purity of heart. Why? So that I may honor you. Is the life you're living honoring the Savior who died for you? You know, when Jesus was asked about when he was coming back, when Jesus was asked about when he would return, he told his disciples then, and he tells us today, but of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. And then he goes on to say, watch therefore. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Therefore you also be ready. Be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Are you ready? Are you ready? How can you be ready? Well, first of all, we admit that we are people with an inherited sin nature. And in that way, not only are we all sinners, but we all sin. Can I get an amen? Second, accept the gift God gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life on the cross for one reason and one reason only, and that was to purchase your forgiveness, to purchase my forgiveness. Admit I'm a sinner. Accept God's gift. But here's a third one for you. Acknowledge that while there is not a single thing you can do, Nothing you can do to purchase your entrance into God's heaven. You can honor him 
like the psalmist said. You can live a life that's pure. You can live a life that's honoring Him. You can keep a pure heart. How do you do it? Well, when sin comes knocking, get out of the way. Guard what comes into your brain. Confess and turn away from your sinful lifestyles. Live for God and Him only. Let me just tell you, if you live for God and Him only, your marriage is going to be awesome. If you live for God and Him only, you'll be the best parent ever. If you live for God and God only, you'll be the best employer, the best employee, the best church servant. You'll be the best of everything. Because all you're doing is living to please God. Everything flows out of that relationship. And finally, you got to keep an eternal outlook. In other words, keep your eyes on the skies. Amen? Because that's where he's coming from. Keep your eyes on the skies. But you know, we can't keep hearing the warnings. We can't keep hearing the scriptures. You can't keep listening to your Christian friends. You can't keep watching what I believe is clear evidence that God's work in this world is coming to a close and yet not do nothing. You can't do all that and yet not do what you need to do. If you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior from sin and the Lord of your life, whether you're here in person today or if you're watching on social media today, God's desire is that you accept Him as your Savior and the Lord of your life. Why don't you do that today? Why don't you do that today? Christian! You know what's coming, right? It's always going to hurt when I say that. Christian! Are you ready to meet your Savior? Christian, have you been living a prepared life, a pure life before your holy God, or have you just been pretending? Can I tell you, God knows whether you've been pretending or not. Christian, are you doing what's right? Are you thinking thoughts that are wholesome? Are you obeying God's word? Christian, have you been the heart and voice of Jesus? Have you been the hands and feet of Jesus? Have you shared your redemption story with anybody in light of the Lord's imminent return? Brenda Tarpley called me yesterday from home. After that long extended stay in the hospital and that long extended stay at rehab, and she called me for one reason. You know what it was? While she's recovering from this incredible surgery that she had, she wanted me to come by to help her with her redemption story. I thought to myself, I said, wow. Here she is 
in her condition, in her shape, and all she wants to do is tell somebody her story of how Jesus saved her. And then I wondered, how many are in perfect health? But just haven't come to that place where they're ready to share their redemption story with the world. And this redemption story is not a, an age-pertinent event. If you're saved and you're little, you can share it. If you're middle-aged and busy as a bee, you can share it. If you're a senior, you can share it. How long will you continue to hear that call and yet not do it? Christian, if you're not ready, today is a day of change for you. It might be that you've been harboring sin in your life. And you've heard God's call today on your life to turn from that sin and to make sure that you turn back to God, just like David did. So Brother Howe's got this incredible, incredible invitation song. And I want to invite you, if you've never trusted Christ, today can be your day. Just come and sit on the front pew. I'll bow before you and we'll pray together. If you're a Christian and you recognize that today is a day of change for you, that it's high and holy time for you to share your redemption story with the world, just come on up here. Let's pray about it. I know what God's going to tell you. Amen. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. So if you're asking if he wants you to share your story or not, you know what the answer is, right? What are you waiting for is his answer. So however the Lord is speaking to you today, it's high time for us to respond to the calling of God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that you've given us your word and you've given us your spirit that show us how we can live a pure life. To just be sensible and outright get out of the way of sin. <laughs> 